0: Hi and welcome to Drinking With Creatives. It's what creatives normally do, but now we're recording it. My name is Jeremy Berger, a documentary filmmaker and senior editor, and each week I sit down with a fellow creative, talk shop, talk life, and have a drink. Art changes with time and tech, but uh, art changes with time and with technology, and so do creatives. The tech world The tech world over the past 15 years has seen tectonic shifts in terms of commerce, socialization, and advertising. Today, I talk with Hamilton Tamayo, who has navigated these shifts since his first job. I will warn you, we turn hard into nerddom and just keep on driving through while drinking. We we drink and drive into nerddom. You know what, this is a bad analogy. Let's just start the show. So Hamilton, Yes. First question, most All important right. question. What are you drinking?
1: Uh, I'm drinking basil hayden. Uh, just a little straight neat, I guess is what they call it. Uh, I'm not a huge, huge uh, whiskey or bourbon guy, but a friend gave it to me for my birthday. It is delicious. When it is on hand, I will have it. But normally I am a gin guy. I, I I'm, that, I'm that guy that goes really? to cocktail bars and orders... Toffee cocktails, I love that stuff. Nothing
0: wrong with that. I, for <laughs> one, am drinking a
1: uh, little Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Oh, delicious! He, yeah. I'm, I'm with you when it comes to like drinking beers and stuff. You know what I mean? It just goes down easy. You can drink a lot of them on a, on, a, on a summer day. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. my favorite.
0: I can, I can remain coherent while recording a podcast. It's. <laughs> I've done two of these. Mm. Funny enough, one of them with Paul and the rest of the team of Nice Shoes. We did like a little like- I listened uh, to the episode. Did, oh, okay. Yeah, did that and uh, did whiskey during that. And I, right. I had out had a few of my like blank moments where my brain just was not- was not switching gears. It was just firing on empty. And I was like, okay, hold on, give me a second.
1: Um, it's like being at a nice shoes party. I mean, like, <laughs> like it, it all starts great. And by the end of it, everyone's, you know, obviously still in a, in a good spirits and no one's, you know, banged up, but you're a little slower, right? You're just not as funny or as witty as you were in the beginning when you walked yeah. in.
0: Yeah. Or especially when I just start having beers and I think I'm the uh, funniest, wittiest guy in the room that goes away. And then I'm just left with, it like, oh, I'm some fool recording a podcast while drinking in this house. Oh,
1: uh, so I wouldn't we... say that. Are you kidding me? I think this is super, like super cool, man.
0: Oh, thank you. Oh, you're, you're going to be back. I, 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 I'm i sure. <laughs> so Hamilton, uh, before we get uh, too much into our cups, tell everyone who you are and where they can find you.
1: Uh, so my name is Hamilton Tamayo. I'm a creative director. Uh, I've been in this business now probably for more than 13, 14 years. Um, I'm currently working for McCann Health. I'm working on a lot of HCP stuff. That business is booming, but what I love about it is that you're actually helping people. I mean, I love selling chips and fizzy water, but there is something warm uh, about getting up and knowing that you're probably helping cancer victims to kind of you know, live a little bit longer. Um, but before that, uh, I was just bouncing around. I bounced around from shop to shop and Digitas. I did a little stint in PR. Um, then from there, worked at uh, Havas. Uh, so I've just mm-hmm. been bouncing around here and there doing you know, good work, or at least what I consider to be good work. Excellent. And uh, on my side projects, I, uh, I have a little silly YouTube channel mm-hmm. that I just started last year. And uh, it's, it's been the most fun and the most rewarding work. I never imagined it would be this much fun, but it, it really is a lot of fun. Well, tell us more about the YouTube
0: channel. I don't think we discussed that beforehand. And uh, what's, what's, what's the project?
1: Uh, So I I, I think your listeners might have gathered that I'm a big nerd by some of the conversation that we were having earlier. Uh, No, no. (laughs) um, But yeah, I just, I love sci-fi. I love comic books. I love anime, I love pop culture. I love tech. And so I was freelancing. I, you know, as any freelancer will know, when you're hot, you're hot. And then you get a dry spell. And so during that dry spell, a friend that asked me to shoot a, a video, they, they were starting their own YouTube channel, went over, helped them out. And then when I came home, I was like, wow, that, that was actually really fun. Maybe I should try one. I don't know what I'll make, but I'm going to try. And so it kind of started a little bit as a, a personal blog about me just rambling about things I loved. Mm-hmm. And it's still that, but it's a, I think it's a little bit more focused where each episode is one topic. So I'll talk about Legend or Conan the Barbarian, or I'll talk about, you know, artificial intelligence or, you know, uh, live streaming the best microphones to get silly things like that. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely not helping my algorithm, uh, but I don't, I'm not chasing subs and it's just fun. Uh, And the uh, the URL is uh, create, consume, repeat, create, consume, repeat. Yeah. So if you just type in youtube.com slash create, consume, repeat. You can see all the nerd glory. It is, everyone that's seen it has said, it's like you watching you when you were 13 years old. And I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult.
0: Hey, 13 is a great age. (laughs) Uh, Follow-up question.
1: Conan, what is best in life? (laughs) Oh, wow. You're going to put me on the spot um let's see i i don't know it off the top of my head but i know it's to watch the lamentation of the women while you you know pillage or something like that (laughs) i don't i don't remember it off the top of my head but Uh, yes that is one of the greatest quotes i'm going to try and do the verbatim
0: um to crush your enemies uh to uh see them run before you watch
1: them driven before you watch
0: them driven before you yes uh and then to hear the lamentations of their women and children (laughs) there you go (laughs) Yeah, that's uh. It's funny. I don't. It, it's uh, that movie comes up every now and again, and I think I watch it at least like once every few years, and then just marvel at what an incredibly written script that was. John I think Lewis. they had. They had. I think
1: they had like a forty-five dollar budget,
0: but the, <laughs> the the script was was ballers.
1: Yeah, it's really. It's actually very interesting. Like when you, and again, obviously, I have made an episode on it, so I kind of have some knowledge of it. Even though, I'm sorry, where can we find that quote. again? It's <laughs> a so, youtube.com slash create, consume, repeat. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great movie. I think you're dead on about the uh, the writing. I mean, John Milius, you know, whatever you f- may think about him or his politics. I mean, the guy's an incredible writer. I mean, he wrote Apocalypse Now. I mean, co-wrote Apocalypse Now, um, read Dawn, uh, obviously Conan. But I think one of the things he's probably most famous for is the monologue in Jaws, right? The, the part where they're on the boat and he's talking about the battleship that goes down and they get eaten by sharks. By, yes. you know that, That's one of the greatest monologues in film history. He wrote it and supposedly he dictated it over the phone to Steven Spielberg.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. And wasn't he also kind of the model for the character of... Oh... God, now now my nerd, my my nerd credentials is going out the window right now. <laughs> it oh. happens. We're on the spot. I know. I don't know. Don't worry about it. Oh yeah, but but it's actually embarrassing. Big Lebowski. Uh, yeah, uh, John Goodman's
1: character. Yep. There you go. Yeah. What was his name? I, I don't remember. I haven't I seen Big Lebowski in out. a while. It's all right. I mean, yeah, but I, yeah. yeah, no. I mean, that's 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 definitely the inspiration for it. Um, I mean, he's just a, a, a character. He's bigger than life, and he's again depending on how you view your politics. I, mm-hmm. I think he's a great guy. I mean, regardless of his politics, he's an incredible writer and also an incredible director. A lot of people don't give him credit for his directing skills. I mean, Conan would have been probably your standard, boring, short and sorcery movie, but it, to your point, we're still talking about it now. And it's what oh, it's yeah. almost been like 30 years.
0: Oh yeah, 30, 30 years and, and you know, uh, but there's just so many like incredible moments. Uh, one of my longtime friends is a musician and he asked me uh, in our second trip out to the bar, he's like, Hey, uh, have you ever seen Conan? And I was like, yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, look, it's been years. And I'm, I'm trying to name a track title after, after the tree uh, that he gets crucified to it had a name. And I'm like, you mean tree the tree of, of- woe? Yeah. The tree- That's what I said. I said, I was like, Oh, you mean the tree of woe? He's like, How- You just, you just knew that I'm like, dude, I couldn't tell you who, you know, the 28th president of the United States is, but I could tell you uh, probably most of the Power Rangers lyrics and that he was nailed to the tree of woe.
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny since I I know we both work in the industry. A lot of times when it's, uh, when it's crunch time or when we're there late, I always will know who the nerds in the room are where I'll go, Oh, you know, come on guys. It's just another round on the wheel of pain. (laughs) and everyone like you'll know immediately they're like ah that's a conan reference you know Mm -hmm. and other people will give you blank stares and you'll be like all right i know who the nerds in this room are
0: (laughs) i know which of these guys are going to be at comic-con this year oh (laughs) god if there's another one good lord um Um,
1: uh, my uh girlfriend uh, we have a mutual friend who is uh i guess a nurse uh, not a nurse, sorry, a doctor. And she specializes in infectious diseases. And when this was starting, she let us know. And she's, she's practicing here in New York. I forgot which uh, hospital, but she was telling us some horror stories. And uh, yeah, it's it's really scary stuff. I mean, like, you know, I think at the beginning a lot of people just didn't take it very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, I might've been one of those people that might not have taken it very serious. Um, but hearing her stories, I was like, "Holy sh! All right, like lockdown, yeah. not going anywhere."
0: Yeah, I mean, but I don't even know if serious is is something that we can necessarily. Oh, hi Zeke. Sorry, dogs. No worries. My, his dog, cold my, nose. my dog is
1: right here as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, who are you talking to? Um, I, I like calling this thing serious or not serious is a weird thing for me because there's literally no context that i have for this thing there's no point in my history outside of sci-fi novels and the few like (laughs) like one or two books of history that i've read where i've sat back and gone oh wait i can just draw on that information it was like okay you know we're kind of we're kind of getting the flu no
1: yeah no i think you're i think you're dead on i mean it's true right like i mean a lot of times we don't we've never been in this situation so we didn't even know what to draw from from Mm -hmm. so like in my mind when i say things like oh i didn't think it was that serious i mean that that's, that says a lot about you know our our context you know right like oh it's not serious but what am i drawing from like exactly. movies like it, it's, it's it's a very valid point yeah dustin hoffman taught me this or not you know <laughs> <laughs> oh wow nice uh, outbreak uh, a reference
0: there <laughs> Dude, it was a, it was the first time in like 20 years that, that movie spiked uh in viewership <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I'm sure whoever owns the rights to that was uh, really happy. Uh, doing very well, I'm sure, at this point. Oh, but no, I, uh, I did some um, volunteer editing for uh, Masks for America about a month and a half in. Awesome. Just helping them get together a video, trying to raise more funds, get N95 masks out to uh, all the hospitals. And the entire, all the people, that, they, were, they were all Zoom interviews, but they were all uh, nurses or mm-hmm. uh, physician's assistants who had communicated COVID nineteen to one of their family members, uh, and it was heartbreaking. Oh, it was just man. I couldn't even like I was just listening uh, to what these people were saying, and I was I I, I just I walked out. My wife was just like because uh, I was you know editing kind of into the night at that point. And my wife's just sitting on the couch like watching TV, and I look at, like the color's gone from my face. And she's like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "No, none of us are okay. Mm-hmm. Everything's not fine." Yeah, right? Everything's gone to shit. But then I did this thing where I made drinking a somewhat professional activity. <laughs> hey, look, someone had to do it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so so was like, God, you're, 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 I keep talking, oh, I'm not doing hard-hitting journalism. I'm just getting tanked with creative people. It's, it's, it's
1: nice. Well, I, I remember um, Paul, Paul told me about this and mm-hmm. uh, he sent me the email and I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Um, so... It's always, it's always nice mm-hmm. to uh, get drunk and actually do something with it, right? Rather than just get drunk and pass out on the floor and wake up and go to work. Oh, yeah, but I was doing that before the pandemic, you know. I'm, I'm... <laughs> I think we all were. I mean, <laughs> <but> you, you <laughs> actually put some uh, put some thought behind it now.
0: Wait, what if I recorded these terribly embarrassing things I said? Yes, <laughs> sent them out into the world. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my, my wife's been hitting up that crown thing, too. Uh, I just found out that... Um, you ever seen that show the expanse oh
1: my god everyone's been talking about it i just started
0: oh you just started oh yeah. you're in for a treat i'm not gonna I'm say three anymore.
1: episodes in
0: oh uh, the first season yes okay you see you're past that's wonderful now you're past like uh the shelf right because that first <laughs> episode or two where you got to find out what all these people yeah are doing in their relationship to each other i try to watch that first episode like two times kept falling asleep got through the third episode it was a struggle and now i'm just in it to win it i'm pretty sure i can curse and belter but i'm not going to say that online because (laughs) just in case i make somebody angry on the internet
1: well i have a friend that uh put me onto it he was just saying he's like it's the first show that ever really showed like space combat realistically like what would really happen in space combat and i was like i'm a nerd that sounds amazing. I will watch this, and uh, I'll admit the first episode is a little bit rough because mm-hmm. um, there's so much, like you said. Uh, but yeah, so far I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to give it. Keep going, and it's it's entertaining. I'll say that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. But well, time you get through the first season, you're 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 going to be an addict like the rest of us. Well, we have didn't a they, support didn't they, just,
1: group. didn't they just drop like a new season? Or something they, dro- like that? they
0: dropped the first three episodes of season five, oh. like all at once. Um, and I don't know. I can't remember last season if they did it week by week or if they, I think pretty sure last season they dropped it all at once. I think they're, and this is just a theory of mine. I think um, one of the reasons, because I know that the other Amazon show, The Boys, released during the <sighs> pandemic. Yeah. Uh, did you watch that one at all?
1: Loved it. Love it. Okay. Love it. Love it.
0: <laughs> well, this this season they they went episode by episode and I'm pretty sure- And again, just a theory, but I would imagine that the reason they changed that was more logistical thing because, you know, there had to be at least two weeks where it was no editing getting done. It was just a scramble to get all the editors set up, get workflow pipelines set, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Right. It's funny that you have that, that theory, right? Because like, again, like uh, I've been talking about this with my friends and, in and the conversation that we've been having is it almost seems like it's going right back to the way cable was. Like we did this Mm -hmm. huge push to create a system in which we can choose to watch things when we want how we want as much as we want like basically giving us drugs intravenously all the time you just hit the button and then you look at shows like mandalorian the boys season two and now like as you're saying the expanse um it it almost seems counter to what the promise was and it's starting to become like i have hulu i have disney plus i have netflix i have hbo max i'm basically paying what i was paying before i cut the cord. And so it's this weird thing. We're just going right back to it. Um, So when you think about streaming tech, all the promises that were made, we're going back on. And I I wonder if it's a financial reason. I wonder if it's a pandemic reason. I wonder if it's both. Uh, Or maybe another reason we just don't know about. You know, maybe we just don't have enough inside baseball.
0: I mean, that's... I'm going with that one because I, I honestly think that people's reactions to this current situation, how it affects every single fest of their lives. It's not something we're going to be able to begin to have a powwow about until for another like 10 years. Um, until somebody writes like the definitive book. like the 2020, the year that broke everyone. Um, it feels that way. It does. It does. It's funny. I, I was, I forget who I was talking to. I actually, I was talking to another guest in this show and You know, I remember a little over a year ago. Oh, my dog's going to play with that bone, aren't you? Are you bored? Am I boring you? Sorry, buddy. It it wouldn't be the first time, that's for sure. Oh, stop it. Uh, But we were talking about like a year, year and a half ago, I would have taken a look at something like reaction videos. Mm. And I would have been like, oh, man, that's stupid. Why don't I just go back and like watch the movie? And let me tell you. There is a bar I come to find out called, I believe the Burlington in Chicago that did reaction videos for the entire like series of game of Thrones. Oh, my It was God. just people getting drunk in their bar, watching that show. And I would do that in a heartbeat. I started mainline. I was like, what other reaction videos? Oh my God. There's a reaction video in a theater for the end of Avengers. Yes. I'll watch that tears are like in my eyes and stuff. It's, it's crazy but it's one of those things where I'm feeding kind of off, not off the movie itself but off the a possibility of being around and that close to so many other people it's it's one thing where yes yeah, the story is certainly a part of it but it's also it's like I get to be a part of this social situation that I haven't been a part of
1: in nine months are we at nine months yet yeah I know it's, it's interesting that you say that I mean like if you look at uh n- not to get weird but I think if you look a lot of the, at the social platforms that are out, or at least the ones that are doing it well, there's a bit of that, right? Because we're so locked in, we're we're looking for some emotional connection because we can't go to the bar, we can't have that moment where we're watching an NCAA, you know, finals game, or we're not watching a f- the finale of Game of Thrones, and we can't be with our friends, you know, having you know a blast, laughing, you know, drinking, and so we're, we're turning to these social platforms and trying to engage on some level, have some form of community. Um, like a TikTok or, you know, or live streaming, like on Twitch, you know, that's what people are doing. It's, it's funny. It's, it's also in a little bit, in a, in a a weird way, a little bit sad. I wonder what will happen when we look back at this, this year, you know, what, what will be the findings, you know, what damage has been done and what good things have come of it? Because obviously there's got to be some good, right?
0: Absolutely. Well, it's, 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 it's such a, for lack of a better term, watershed event, Like There's nobody, there's nobody on the planet who's not having the same experience. And, or at least a similar one, except for New Zealand, by the way, I don't know if you heard, New Zealand is COVID-free. Yeah. Uh, God, go New Zealand. Uh, What is
1: it? Female president, right?
0: Yeah, female president, Lord of the Rings, and COVID-free. I think I might be looking at real estate. Um,
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm no expert, but I'm just gonna say, it's probably the female president that actually pays attention to science no <laughs> crazy right believe
0: in science oh wait hold on science isn't a belief system um <laughs> i wish we'd it's one of those things like i believe the scientists i would just like okay like i get that but also maybe saying you believe the scientists is you know kind of or trust the scientists kind of kind of you know <laughs> it implies that either belief or trust is necessary whereas fact where a scientist just report what the facts are i don't know <laughs> wow we have we have covered some some nerd, nerd territory, wow. Uh, so let's talk about being a creative director uh, and, and, and let's not necessarily put the COVID, like let's say pre-COVID, because you said you've been what, 13, 15 years, something like that? Something
1: like that, yeah, you know, with a, kind of a pretty big emphasis on, you know, following what's the latest and greatest, you know, trend as far as technology goes. At least that's the way I fashion myself where I think of my of my career.
0: And how has that like, and I know it's a big question because it spans years, but what have been like the biggest changes that you've seen and what were the biggest surprises?
1: Uh, well, so, I mean, when I started, I mean, I graduated uh, NYU in 2000. And so when I got out, it was all about the dot-coms, right? And then the dot-com bubble burst, right? Everyone was building websites. And then it kind of went dry for a bit. And then I ended up working, and this is before I actually got into advertising. I ended up working at Zagat Survey, which is obviously for New Yorkers, uh, for you foodies that are listening, obviously they're the the Bible of eating out, right? They give you ratings on which restaurant has the best food, the decor, value, et cetera, et cetera. And so they were starting to look at mobile technology. And when I say mobile, I'm talking flip phones and palm pilots for older people that are listening. They know what I'm talking about. And for younger people, they have no idea. And so I started helping them design that. And at the same time, usability was coming into, was becoming a big thing. People were actually starting to think about, well, what's the usability, like the user experience. And uh, I got a call through a friend. He was like, Hey, they're hiring a Digitas. They're looking for a UX guy. And I had had a pretty good mentor Um, And I'd been reading books about UX. And so I ended up going to Digitas and doing that. And then while I did that, you know, mobile then really kind of came into, you know, it's, it's, it just became the big thing. And then iPhones became the thing and then tablets came around and everyone laughed at tablets. Everyone was like, why would anyone want a big iPhone? And now we know that tablets are like an essential thing. Everyone has a tablet, it seems. Um, And so while I was there, I, I worked for some Amex stuff a built-in iPad app for American Express, their first iPad app, which ended up having a ramification. So just to give a little bit of inside baseball here, mm-hmm. the reason I'm kind of stopping here is because at that moment, everyone built websites and websites were the thing, right? And then the iPhone came around and we still didn't have responsive web, right? We weren't building websites that were responsive. We just right. thought about them as like the, the tertiary idea. We we're like, oh, well, if we have a website, that's all we need and if the iPhone can do it, great. But if it can't, who cares? Yeah. we're still Absolutely. scrolling left to right on an iPhone trying to read an entire web page right <laughs> exactly. is that what we're yeah, okay. exactly? yeah exactly. and the experience wasn't that great because you know we still' hadn't had like you know the 5g that we have or the 4G you know LTE we were still like 3G was like ooh, 3G and that meant that you could download images reasonably quickly um, but then I ended up working on this uh, iPad app for the American Express and in doing so, I had known, it was kind of like a Skunk Works project. It was one of those projects. And I think anyone that works in advertising knows there's always that department that is kind of like, look at the new trends, create something, even though we're not getting paid for it. And if we're lucky, we can sell it to a client or get garner some interest and then get paid for it. And so we knew that American Express might have some interest in maybe an iPad app only because Bank of America had already created one. It was you know, okay, lukewarm. And instead of looking at building the website, I looked at what customers were saying and, you know, they pride themselves, Amex prides themselves on, you know, being very customer friendly, the JD power and associates, you know, award for best customer service and all this jazz, but there were some clear problems with the website. And so when you look at the iPad, I think for a lot of people, for a lot of brands, a lot of clients, it was almost like clean tabula rasa, anything that you want to do, let's try it. And if people like it, great. And so we looked at all the pain points of the web and fixed it. We made it so much easier to get to things like, you know, filing a complaint, a dispute on a charge, seeing your membership rewards points, blah, blah, blah. We go to Ken Chenault, who was the CEO back then of Amex. And he's like, oh my God, this is incredible. Why isn't the website like this? And that for me in that moment felt very much that, that shift of, wow, the web isn't the big thing anymore. Apps are the big thing and obviously mm. apps are apps now, but then that kind of made the shift of responsive web, right We don't want to build an app. we want to have responsive web apps. So th- that was that. that was that was probably back in 2007, 2008. so that was interesting because again like you see these constant shifts, right? You yeah. see these shifts from like iPhone to tablet and then after that it becomes social thing. It was bubbling and then that changes everything because so now we have social platforms in ways that we've never imagined.
0: Fantastic. So I feel like I got to ask this because whenever I ask about the contemplation of the future, either from this point moving forward or for, uh, for some point in the past and now I always run into, uh, the Jetsons paradox, right. <laughs> Which is, uh, cause right now, according to the Jetsons, um, I should have uh, a robotic maid. Um,
1: <laughs> I love Rosie.
0: I, I, Rosie's great. Um, uh, and, when I do, and when I do get a Roomba, I will, I will name it her. Um, it's lacking a little bit in the whole cooking and <laughs> clean department, but then the jet pack, you know, the flying car, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, I also never considered what the future actually was, which is computers in our pockets, entire song libraries being available online, et cetera, et cetera. Was there a piece of the future that you saw coming together back in those early days of, uh, of web and mobile tech that either seems silly as a future goal in retrospect, or you're surprised that it hasn't arrived yet.
1: Uh, it's, it's a really incredible question. I really mean it. So it's like oh, chicken and the egg, right? Like which mm. which influenced what, right? Because like mm-hmm. when we look at the communicator from Star Trek, we always laugh and we go, "Well, do you do you think Roddenberry basically made us go to flip phones, or do you just <laughs> think he just visionary, like he just saw it and then the scientist was going to get there?" Um, so it's a really good question. Um, so the answer to that is interesting. There's two technologies in particular that um, I think one has failed and one hasn't gotten you know, the, the due respect. Uh, and so the first one, the one, let's start with the one that I think is more successful than people actually recognize. So this is a weird one. Uh, when I was, again, at Digitas, Xbox 360 released the Kinect. I don't know about anyone who's listening, the Kinect was this little bar that you connected to your 360 and it used infrared beams to kind of map your body so that you can have gesture control. Mm-hmm. And when it came out, everyone went crazy. It was a huge win for Microsoft at the moment because it was like, it sold like hotcakes. And when people got it home and they started using it, they were like, well, it's not as cool. And the whole idea of controlling things like a minority Report when you're using your hands is kind of silly. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it fell away. And everyone kind of laughs about it. But what people don't really understand, and I think is really, really funny is that we technically have a connect in our iPhones. So when we use the ability to unlock our phones with our face, the same technology has been miniaturized and put into the top of our iPhones. That's what's happening. Infrared beam, beams are shot to your face and you're able to unlock your phone and you're able to make purchases because it detects your face. And so that's one of those technologies where, again, it is not the exact connect. I think it is the company that made the connect. They ended up getting bought by Apple and they ended up putting into their iPhones. I think that's one of those technologies that feels very Jetsony y to me where it's like, I look at my thing and it unlocks it and it unlocks all my passwords, all my sensitive data. That's pretty crazy to me, but a lot of people don't realize that that's kind of the beginnings of it, you know, and mm-hmm. everyone laughed at it. So that's, that's one of the, the ones that I think people just don't realize is a huge success. Um, the one that I think hasn't really lived up to the expectation. And I do think it will is a uh, virtual reality. And I know that everyone listens mm-hmm. and rolls their eyes and goes, oh, you go on about virtual reality, but I just picked up a quest to, uh for the holidays. I just picked it up and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to try this. And so the reason I bring it up is when I was at another agency called Weber Shanwick, they're a PR agency. And I went there to do some ad ad work for them. Mm-hmm. I was working uh, for GSK, the client and the brand was Excedrin, And we were trying to create this idea of empathy for migraine sufferers, because when people get migraines, you don't know what it feels like. And we usually kind of marginalize them or disregard their pain because we, we don't have like, oh, it's a headache, right? No big deal. Right. And the kind of the, the, the idea that we came up with, um, and again, this was a, lots of people, it's not just me, it's, you know, other agencies as well were involved, was this idea of how can we use virtual reality or augmented reality, which are two very different things, mm-hmm. to kind of help people see what a, a migrant is. And so for me, there's that moment of empathy, right? That's really what we landed on. It wasn't the tech, it was the empathy that can be garnered from VR. And I don't, have you ever used VR? Uh, in a very, very limited capacity.
0: Cardboard box sliding a phone into.
1: Right, right. And so that's kind of what we did. Because again, like getting a VR headset is expensive. So that's one of the yes. things that, that's, it's funny that you, you say that because when people think about VR, they immediately think of the cost. And mm-hmm. right, it is very expensive. You need a computer that probably costs two to $3,000 if you want mm-hmm. like a, the elite version and a headset that costs about 700 to $1,000 if you want like a really premium experience. So you're like in the $4,000 range. Who the hell is going to do that if if you know they're uh, if they're not an enthusiast, it's not going to happen. Right. So you so when we created our thing, we basically looked at off the shelf things that people can actually buy. And what we landed on was, oh, people have you know pixel phones, Samsung phones, iPhones, and we can use Google Cardboard where you exactly what you said you slide your phone into this little exactly. piece of cardboard, you put it over your eyes, and you hear it and you can see it. That's um, exactly what I
0: did, by the way. That
1: yeah, exactly that and so what ended up happening is it was a huge success we ended up winning a ton of awards just because we ended up using the technology in a way that you know not many people had thought about using it but again it wasn't the tech that really I think landed and made it successful it was the fact that we landed on the insight of empathy and when you look and you actually use VR for the first time if you had the luck and you've had the luck to actually experience something cool in VR because a lot of times it's always like I'm gonna shoot dinosaurs or I'm gonna be a robot. Those are cool, that's fun. But I think the true experiences are the ones where there's this empathy, where you lock eyes with someone. And unlike a movie, unlike a video game, you are literally looking at someone in the eyes and you're moving left, they're following you. You move to the right, they're following you. Uh, you can look around anywhere you want and you feel truly immersed. And that's one of the cool things about VR that I think people just haven't, that, that promise of that tech hasn't landed yet. but v- it's there. It's kind of like on the edge. You can feel like it's almost at, at that point where it's about to happen. And I think the Quest 2 is going to help that because it democratizes the technology. You know, there's people that are going to afford it. 300 bucks. You don't need a computer. You just put it on and you play with your kids. Done. It's a huge thing. And no wires. VR, uh, do you feel like,
0: because right now you're taking a look at like uh, for the Quest 2, a uh, $300 buy-in for the technology. You don't have to like sell an organ uh, to get yourself <laughs> a proper gpu in some back alley behind uh uh best buy <laughs> dark right fast now. i like this Do, well no because i get um i get reddit alerts from build a pc because I, I built my last uh edit rig and oh. um what <laughs> getting so a video
1: th- card this christmas is gonna be hard
0: no that's that's just that's the only thing that pops up now it's like i got it i got it i drove five hours but i got it I'm just sitting there like, I wouldn't drive five hours for anything. I'm going to go see what prices are for PlayStation 5. Excuse me. Um, so. <laughs> well, that, that is crazy, right? But look at that. That's just nuts. No, I've got a plan for it. Here's what we do. We get Congress to pass a, uh, an additional half billion dollars is what I estimate the price at. And then we just uh, pass out the PS5s with a COVID-19 vaccine because <laughs> they're the two things oh, that man. everybody wants and no one can get we can just take care of it all at once. The boost to both the economy and health will be amazing.
1: You know, it's funny, uh, it's it's brilliant for many reasons. One (laughs) of the reasons is I heard someone say that they should give the vaccine to young people because young people are the ones that are like the, considered the super spreaders, right? Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think your plan, Machiavellian and genius, right? I want a PS5, kids will do anything for it. You want it, you gotta take the vaccine, boom. That's that's true. That's true.
0: You heard it here, folks. First, folks, this is uh this is how this is going to happen.
1: I'd vote is, for you. This
0: is this is us saving the world. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's funny that you bring that up. I have a friend, um, and he's been working the ER uh, ever since this thing dropped. Um, and he doesn't post on Instagram much. He just he's just not a social media kind of guy. All right. But he did post when he got vaccinated. Which I is like was two genius. days ago. I, no, I soul, man. I know I, that's just it. I took a look. I just took, and again, this guy goes to an ER. He does. He does not shed tears. But he even didn't mind saying on Instagram, he's like, "I'm almost crying right now." And it was two shots. Him with the mask on and a bandage on his uh, shoulder, and then the paperwork following it off. I'm just sitting there. I'm just like, ugh. Fantastic, yeah, yeah, man. You know,
1: it's it's, it's uh, well. So obviously, kudos to that guy. I mean, that's like amazing that he did that. And it's funny because. You know, like you saw that in New York, the the woman that I think was the nurse, the first person that got the vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, people were taking pictures and stuff like that. I I I'm sure that people are going to start live streaming it, right? Because I mean, we live stream everything now, so why wouldn't we live stream that? Well, I think the presidents are, like right, they, Obama, yeah.
0: Clinton, uh, is, Car- yeah, Carter, Bush. I think they kind of like because there's just so much distrust in the vaccine right now. Um
1: silliness but yeah you know I'm not even for me it's just like if if a doctor told me to do this and you know it's going to save lives not just mine but others Mm -hmm. you know what the risk is so nominal it's just ridiculous. Obviously I'm going to do it, you know, and I'm not going to do it just because a doctor tells me to do it. I'm going to do it because also I want to help people. I want to save lives. I want to bring an end to this. I mean, I think that's what everyone should do. I mean, this fear that we're all going to get sick because of it is just, it's, it, I think it's a little bit silly and ridiculous and stuff, you know, but absolutely. And plus like,
0: even if I feel bad for a day after this thing hits,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like, I'm just exponentially increasing uh, the the possibility of the of whatever community I belong to, of any community that I belong to, of getting
1: to a point of herd immunization that much quicker. Yeah, so, I like, mean, like, yeah, like I mean, look, let's be honest, right? We're we're, we're on the show, awesome show. I'm drinking, we're talking, we're having a good time, we're laughing, solving probably, all the world's problems, all the world's <laughs> exactly problems right, right. now. <laughs> but I'm gonna probably wake up if I keep drinking. I, I'm going to probably wake up with a little bit of a hangover, right? I'm not going to wake up h- raw, but I'm going to wake up, eh, not so great. Hmm. If, that's what the, uh, if that's what the vaccine is going to do, I'm okay. Because I kind of hmm. do it, you know, once a week, twice a week. Now someone in the audience is probably going to think I'm an alcoholic, which is not true. I probably do drink more than I should. But my point is, you know, it, it's nothing. It's not a big deal. You know, just get it done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny that we have this distrust of medicine these days and and coming back to a conversation I'm having with you know this other uh this other guest I had uh I just have to wonder do we just start distrusting these very obvious like trustable things because we're bored are we just not fighting for our own survival enough (laughs) and I let me down a road and you're a fellow nerd so I kind of want to float this idea past you and get your idea about it sure I want to talk about this movie that in that light is vastly misunderstood, that this group of scientists in an effort to save humanity from its own removal from the natural world decided to hunt down uh, genetic samples of dinosaurs and bring them back (laughs) until these brave souls were foiled by the likes of these academics. I love it thought that, Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, if we brought back dinosaurs <laughs> right now, wh- what's going to disappear? Like, d- like depression is going to disappear. Uh, you know, you just there's just too much endorphins uh, running through your head when you're running from a Velociraptor. It's just a thought.
1: I think all we need is that animation when you know the Professor Grant or Doctor Grant is they they sit down. Laura Dern is with them, you know, and and Jeff Goldblum who's a national treasure. They sit down for the first time and they have the little animation come out. And he's like, I'm a DNA cell, whatever, right? That's what we need, that exact animation explaining how the vaccine works. And I think people will just do it. And and it has to be narrated by Jeff Goldblum. That'll be it, that'll be the solution.
0: You heard it here first, folks. Well, that's uh, that's exactly what's gonna happen. We're, we're gonna, or you know what? I actually know a guy who does a very good impression of Jeff Goldblum. And if we end, he's got kind of a thin face too. So we'll get, I'll, I'll install some deep fake uh, tech on my computer, and we'll just make the PSA ourselves. How's that sound?
1: <laughs> it sounds like your friend hit the genetic lottery if he looks like Jeff Goldblum. But I mean, like, that's amazing. <laughs> He's, I mean, close enough. Eh, close enough.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cl- Close enough that a deep fake won't have to work that hard.
1: Um, <laughs> Funny that you bring up the deep fake thing, right? I mean, that's kind of part of one of the reasons we're in this mess, probably, right? The whole, you know, Cambridge Analytica and the deep fake technology and all these. The, the easy dissemination of, of, of messages out there, right? There's no way to kind of control them and wrangle them. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I'm no expert, but my gut is that's probably where it all kind of stems from.
0: Well, you know, I, 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 it's, fun, it's funny how much of these conversations I, I recycle. God, I need new material. Um, <laughs> yeah, I bring up the, the case. I have, this, I have this thing about technology, right? Um, which is we always uh, make it uh, way before we're ready to use it. Um, yeah, you know, cars, for agree. example, yeah, automobiles were on the market for how long before we mandated they needed to have seat belts. Mm-hmm. Uh our first uh our after briefly after our discovery of uh, radioactive isotopes, we were putting them in <laughs> fingernail paint so people could have glow-in-the-dark fingernails. Like, you know, usually innovation, especially technological innovation, comes with pretty high body count. So yeah, but well, I'm wondering if we're coming upon that, and that that's interesting to see what line that will take because, you know, uh, interconnectivity via, you know, online um, connection is the closest thing to a democratic medium that we have. But now, you know, just because everybody can say everything, we're running right back into, should we? Now, are we yelling fire in the movie theater? What do you think?
1: Right, so it's funny. Like, so when you look at it from a, the standpoint of like media ecology, right? You, you start to think about, we, we want to we want to have open uh, discourse. We want to encourage that discourse, right? But the problem that we, we, we obviously never really were going to run into is we're doing it, and I hate saying this just because it's like one of the worst, most overused, terrible things to say, but I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. It's like building the plane while flying it. And I know right now there are people that are cringing that I even said it, but... In this one instance i actually do think it holds a little bit of water right we are we have this technology that's extremely powerful there's a lot of great discourse that is happening when we, we you, you like if you go on TikTok right now right you have people talking about gender uh you know lgbtq um you know uh, black lives matter we have people talking about like really bad horrible acne we have people doing you know, dances and and, and their cats, you know, weird behavior. And you have this whole weird just mishmash of ideas. But in there, there's a lot of really good stuff. Right. But we don't know the impact of all of this. And when you look at children, the way they digest this, they're hooked on this stuff. And that's not I, I don't know if it's good or bad. We don't know yet. Right. There's no science behind it. Obviously, all, you know, signs are pointing to we're a little bit addicted. But again, does that mean we should shut it off? Should we stop it? No, I think it's a question of finding that balance. And I think there's a lot of ethical questions that we need to answer. But again, it is helping discourse. I mean, like, when you look at society and how, how far we've advanced and how many steps we've taken back, I, I think, I believe, you know, and maybe I'm being silly and, and, and you know naive or maybe an idealist. I think we've taken so many huge steps forward that maybe some of these steps back, some of these flaws, some of these errors are worth it. And, you know, hopefully, time will tell, scientists will tell us, you know, scholars will look back on this. Um, but I do think it's important for the, the advancement of the society to have discourse, even if it is about silly things like cat dances and stuff like that, because it breeds other conversations that are way more important. I mean, like you look at the way people voted against Trump this election, again, one could argue, well, you know, TikTok, well, not TikTok, but like social media in general, like Instagram and Facebook, let's say Facebook, it's probably Facebook, got him in office. But then you can also argue that other channels like Instagram, TikTok, Facebook got him voted out, right? Yes, yes. So it's, it's, this, weird, it's this weird thing where it's like, yeah, we got him in, but it also got him out. And, and that in there is that, that weird uh, you know, dichotomy or, or, or balancing act of it's good and it's bad. But again, that's also democracy, right? It's good <laughs> and it's bad. It depends on who wields it.
0: was was it a line that roosevelt said democracy it's the worst form of government except for all the others
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, i don't know if he said it but if he did god that's brilliant um but yeah i mean it's it's hard right you know what i mean like when you just look at all these social platforms i mean maybe again i'm being naive obviously all these platforms are trying to make money as we all are. We're all trying to make livings and we're all selling data on some level. Right. But we're getting free services for it. But at the same time, you know, I don't think there's anyone out there that is evil. It's like some evil empire that's basically trying to steal our data and and, you know, enslave us. I think that's a little bit far fetched. And a lot of times when you look at media, I think that's the way it paints it. In reality, they, they miss that. There's so much good because of these platforms and these technologies um but you know that's just my two cents i guess um no no i mean
0: perfectly applicable i mean first of all we you know we always gloss over the good news because it's so much more fun to talk about the bad (laughs) you know like i got no problems walking into a bar oh bars um (laughs) you know do i want to talk about uh You know, um, trying to think of a good example here, which also illustrates the point. Do I want to talk about the guy I heard about earlier that day who rescued his puppy out of a uh, alligator's mouth in Florida? Yeah, I might spend that exact amount of time telling you about that guy, but I'm going to spend 15 minutes talking about that jerk at work, you know? That, maybe yeah. that's why bad news travels fast. It's just more fun to talk about. It's more dramatic. It's more.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to talk about the real serious stuff, you know. And and as a weird tangent about your bar comment, so mm-hmm. have you noticed that you're like, I know that I'm. I miss things because of, of obviously the Rona, but mm-hmm. I didn't think the stuff that I missed would be the stuff that I missed, you know. So like, I talk to my friends all the time, and I go, you know what I really miss? I miss like buffalo wings. Oh. that that magically appear when i just tell someone to bring them and mm. magically they appear i mm. i never thought i'd miss it so much i miss it so so much that i have dreams about going and ordering buffalo wings it's oh. sad i'm so,
0: so, okay first of all uh you, you've touched on a nerve here uh w- where are you from if you don't mind me asking i'm from new york i'm a native oh okay but you're about like new york
1: city proper uh, well, the South Bronx, but yeah, I mean, South yeah, Bronx? all oh, within the five boroughs.
0: No, that's fine. No, because I'm from central New York and, the, and uh. the Buffalo Wing is is part of our food pyramid. It's like uh, Buffalo Wings, uh, pizza, and uh, Pepsi. It's the it's, it's food triangle <laughs> right there.
1: I went to Buffalo Wing Fest uh, with friends uh, at, uh, in Buffalo, New York, uh-huh. uh, obviously. I didn't, we didn't know that this was a thing that in Buffalo, New York, every year, once a year, and I'm pretty sure it didn't happen this year, sadly, all the restaurants where, you know, the first Buffalo wings were invented. Yes. They have this huge thing where they, they, they serve all these Buffalo wings and you can go and taste all these different shops. And then they nominate the best Buffalo wings of the year. And then they have people jump in like blue cheese. It's, it's funny. It's Americana. It's weird. It's kitschy, but it's awesome. And I remember going and having my first ghost pepper and deep fried Oreo because obviously I'm a city kid and I didn't know what deep fried Oreos were until that day. Oh, It was pure heaven heaven (laughs) (laughs) like it sounds so bizarre but it's just like yes like it was like who would have like what mad genius invented this like god bless him
0: oh yeah no 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 no. you 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 don't have to make any apologies here i will and it's funny i I had this thought the other day um because i'm actually pescatarian now like i um
1: oh my girlfriend is pescatarian
0: oh yeah yeah it's yeah. great. It's great. I'm, I I don't want to get into the wives or anything like that, but um, no need. Okay. Okay. No, it no just, need. it's just, it's, it's it'd be a long drawn out thing. That's not very interesting. Hold on one second. I see chill, buddy.
1: I doubt it. I'm sure it's interesting. I think any, anyone's, you know uh, you know, dietary, you know, choices is always very interesting. Um, And I, and I do mean that, you know, a lot of times people disregard, you know, like, why do you put that in you? And it's like, well, you eat so much all day and it has impact on your, on your health. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we should give it a little thought (laughs) just maybe, maybe, and this is coming from someone who loves junk food. Like I love junk food, but I also know that, you know I need to curb that. Uh, I can totally understand, you know, your, your, your choice in being pescatarian. My, my girlfriend is huge, huge pescatarian. And and like, obviously dating me, she's kind of messed up a little bit here and there but she's she's like super serious about it.
0: Oh, I, yeah, no, I I I'm serious about it to the point where like you know, I just saw too much about like uh factory farming and that kind of um that kind of idea that I didn't know where all this food was coming from. Mhm. Um so yeah, I kind I mean, of said, "Hey, you know, I could I you know, I could do pescatarian because I just don't care about fish. You can just kill them in mass. I just I just don't care. Like, oh, my tuna's got some dolphin in it. That sounds great. Like, is there a special sauce I should make for it in that case? I don't know."
1: Um, I love love the humor. I know there's some people that may not find it funny, but I'm like, no, that's hilarious to me. Um, But it's I mean, like it's funny. Right. Like, I mean, in a weird way, like, you know, to bring it back full circle. Right. mm -hmm. How did you see all that stuff? Right. You probably saw a video on YouTube one night when you were just like falling into a hole watching some weird thing on YouTube. Right. At three in the morning. And you were like, holy shit, maybe I should really rethink this. Maybe I shouldn't be eating this. Right. And it made a life choice. Right. And Mm -hmm. so people would argue, oh, well, technology is bad. But it's like, well, I don't know. The fact that we're having this conversation is mm-hmm. probably because of YouTube, because of some Truth. sharing uh, of some, you know, because obviously it wasn't just Leonardo DiCaprio telling us that eating meat <laughs> is bad. I can assure you that wasn't the reason why my girlfriend did it. And I'm sure it wasn't for you. But did he yeah. say that? Because I'd order a steak like immediately afterwards, as soon as I heard
0: him say that. I like exactly everything. He was like, hey, you personally shouldn't eat that. You shouldn't eat that. I was like, oh, yeah,
1: sounds like I'm going to go spend $100 on a ribeye. Um, <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing! A ribeye from like a, what is it? Let me see, like a a Keens or or like a, a steakhouse? What is it? A strip house? Strip house is one of my favorites. I would kill. For okay,
0: steak. okay. H- here's a part where you're gonna hate me. Uh, can I tell you about the greatest steak I've ever had in my life?
1: Why would I hate you? This sounds amazing. I'm already enthralled.
0: Just wait. Just wait. Um, so a friend of mine, uh, she told uh, me, my wife and a few friends, she's like I've I, I've I've had the greatest steak. Uh, in my life and it will be the greatest steak of your life and you have to come out and have it with us and we're like okay so we drive over and it's a diner okay it's a rather big diner uh but this sirloin comes out this incredible sirloin wrapped in bacon nothing real fancy for the size just like broccoli and potatoes and i bite into this thing and it is the greatest hands down the greatest steak i've ever had why am I heard this story? This sounds amazing. Because this wasn't a New York steakhouse. This happened in Oklahoma City, two blocks in front of the Oklahoma City steer yards, aka the end of every single spaghetti Western uh, from the 50s through the 70s. Uh, I told a, I t- funny enough, I told another creative director uh, who moved to an agency in like uh, North Carolina. This, so he like every time I like go do some work for him, he'd like he'd say uh, he's like, oh hey, what's what's good in New York? He's a big foodie, and I told him this, and he just told me to fuck off. He was like, fuck you. Fuck you, the great steak houses in Oklahoma City. What are you talking about? I'm like, I swear to God. I right.
1: swear to God. So I think, I think we're going to be best of friends. I really Excellent. mean this. So here goes. So when people ask me, what's the best steak you've ever had? Obviously, I'm a New Yorker. Everyone's always going to think you're going to say something like, you know, like uh, Peter Luger's or, or, or you know, one of those things, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I can honestly tell you that the best steak I've ever had was in Oregon. I, I was out there. Really? Uh, I, I was married before and got divorced, but I, when I was married, I went out there to visit her family. I'm in Oregon, and this restaurant just brings out ex- almost exactly what you're saying. Sirloin, bacon wrapped, perfectly mm. prepared. It was like it, around this time, holiday season, mm. I and this is the weird part. So someone, uh, not someone, but it was during the time of Mad Cow. Right. And so people were like, you're going to order a steak during mad cow. Like, are you are you crazy? And the only reason I bring it up only is because obviously the Rona is is, is somewhat kind of in my mind, tangentially kind of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I'm like, I I don't care. I, I want a steak. I'm really hungry. I eat the steak and it is the best steak ever. And I pray to God that, you know, 10, 20 years from now, I don't have mad cow and I die or have some mental issue or my heart you know goes crazy because of it. But if I had to go, it was worth it. That steak was incredible. It was yes. incredible. I literally at first was like, is this baby? Is this like a baby? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is this? It's incredible. Oh,
0: what does so the SG believe... stand for on the from the steak, sir? It's like, oh, that's soil and Green. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. So I believe you that if you went to Oklahoma, was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you went Oklahoma, to Oklahoma And you had the best steak, like, I believe it. Like To me, there's like, I think this idea of like amazing food only coming from these you know these chapels of incredible incredible culinary delights that only exist in new york and france is mm-hmm. such like horseshit you know what i mean and i used to work as a cat survey and i'm not trying yeah. to say new york food isn't amazing because it is yeah, but it's not it's not the only place to get incredible food you know yeah well you know it's funny uh alton brown uh he was on an episode
0: of a hot ones i think that show <laughs> funny yeah, enough where they eat show. chicken wings yeah it's great show great and also it's like People kind of gloss with the fact that Sean Evans is also a really good interviewer. Um, Amazing. But they, I mean, he's got, they, got nothing on you though. So. Oh, stop, stop it. Cause <laughs> I, I want to come back to the whole Buffalo thing, wings thing in a second, but uh, he put me this point and it's like, we talk about Buffalo, like you're in Buffalo for Buffalo wings uh, in New York with pizza. And he actually made a point and I'm sure, I'm sure got him death threats, which was sometimes when an area becomes known for food, Innovation in the food stops. Mm. And that leads to other markets being able like, you know, because New York's always going to have like the pizza crown, but that's, but sometimes do we get a little comfy being king? You know, do we start, could we kind of like stop uh, looking into how
1: to make it better? You know, it's, it. Uh, God, man, I, I, are we, were we separated at birth? Uh, possibly. I don't, I, I don't know, but so I was having this conversation. I'm a staunch believer that the best pizza is from New York, but, but, uh I had never had what is it, Emmy Squared, which is like Detroit style pizza. And I had it maybe Detroit a year ago. style pizza? I, I've never heard of this before either. I was just a shock. And I was just like, oh boy, this is gonna be terrible. But all right, let's give it a let's give it a whirl. It was delicious. I I, I would I, I'm gonna get so much hate. I would venture to say it was as good as a New York pizza. Again, different, not a slice, but it was incredible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 good food can come from anywhere. And I think this idea that, you know, only the best croissants come from Paris, you know, they are mm-hmm. delicious, but that's, that's bullshit. You know what I mean? I think it's, it's passion, you know, and, and, and just circling back on a tangent, I think Alton Brown, what he's saying is that when something becomes too popular, it usually goes downhill. Mm-hmm. You can apply that to a lot of things. And especially like when you look at tech, mm-hmm. you can rest on your laurels, right? You rest on your laurels. Like, I mean, like if you look at like an Instagram, right? Instagram is basically like the shit. Like every agency was like, we need a whole Instagram, you know, campaign. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's so huge, but it's obviously now on the back foot. And it's because it got too popular and they just didn't keep the pedal to the metal because again, sometimes popularity, you know, just kind of makes us lazy, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh. Come I'll never back. get a job at Instagram.
0: <laughs> are you kidding? Instagram, are you listening? You <laughs> should hire this guy. <laughs> you should. Um, but it's funny when when we come back to the uh, the Buffalo Wings. Oh, wait, how was I going to wrap this back
1: in? Jeez. I know. I love this already.
0: Uh, see, come on, buddy. Shh. Um, he really just wants me to get on the floor with him. Um, buffalo Wings. Damn it. Sean Kevin, Evans, hot ones. Sean I'm Evans, hot ones. Um, no, Brown. okay. No, here, here's here's the thing. It's funny that, kind of funny that we were talking about uh, junk food earlier. Uh, I had this thought recently because um, I've done some experiments with uh, how and what I eat. I actually did the whole like two weeks of nothing but potatoes and water. Wow. Yeah, it's it's honestly i believe it's an experiment everyone should try at least once in their lives especially that's in their like, adult lives
1: isn't that like the count of monte cristo diet that's like the prisoner diet of potatoes in water you're on, you're on a ship no. <laughs> well no i i i uh i saw i i here's how
0: it happened what happened was like i was i was watching like youtube or something and uh, youtube and yeah. uh pen gillette comes about, comes up and uh, i like him. well he and i look alike like everyone's like oh you know, when they guess what celebrity you look like everyone's like oh yeah you look like pendulette in fact when they had the show bullshit out my wife would be like yeah i love watching bullshit it's like watching you angry all the time um and uh i saw him on and i saw that he had lost a ridiculous amount of weight which kind of said it was it was one of the two c's it was either crack or cancer uh and i was like oh god no what's going on with pendulette and i turn on and he's like I, I tried his diet where I did nothing but potatoes. And I was like, oh, great, another fad diet. That's just what right. I need in my life. But he said something interesting, which was, uh, I went two weeks uh, only eating potatoes. And then I had corn with no butter or salt on it and tasted like candy. It was a uh-huh. reprogramming of his taste buds and his reaction to taste. And that's what brings me back around to uh, my thoughts about buffalo wings because I am addicted to buffalo wings. I go to my special place, my happy place with buffalo wings because I've been eating them ever since I was a kid. And I thought, God, isn't it ironic that all of our habits for food start and like, like are formed during the period of our time where it is essential that we consume as much calories as we can because we're supposed to be doubling in growth every couple of years. But then, you know, nature was never planning on us being this successful so that when we do finally stop growing, we're still wanting all the stuff that's high calorie because we just spent, you know, the previous 10 to 12 years of our lives forming those habits to begin with
1: i'm not gonna lie to you. you just you blew my mind with this idea of I, it just never dawned on me that the, the uh, up, abstaining from something makes you appreciate the thing that is like that you would think is mundane right like to yeah. me corn right i'd be like i love corn right whatever but i don't i wouldn't say it's the most amazing thing in the world mm-hmm. but if i didn't eat corn for x amount of time and i'm only eating potatoes the sweetness in that corn it would obviously taste like candy like yeah I'm, so you you did this diet and it worked did you like you must have felt terrible doing it but afterwards it no was well, actually
0: quite quite the opposite uh, really? yeah um I don't I'm only going off of the science that I read in Ben Gillette's book um but uh you do feel a little funky on day three of it because uh your system uh starts I, I'm gonna blank on the actual chemical because there's mm-hmm. a you know, whenever we have like a short, like an intense bit of motion, we actually uh, derive the energy from that, from a chemical in our livers. Guy, what's it called? I'm going to blank on it. But that chemical is formed by the consumption of salt, fat, and sugar. Um, so those are the fast energy sources that we consume in quantity that we don't actually need because it's not like we got to go chase down, you know, an elk afterwards. Uh, right. and we'll have both bows and arrows so you get your body used to this idea that if it needs more energy um you know start burning that fat son because you ain't getting the other stuff
1: <laughs> i mean that like, you've got me interested like you got me intrigued like i would love to try this now i th- this is going to sound silly and i'm yeah. not making fun i'm, no, no, I'm no. really asking out of genuine curiosity here so when Absolutely. you say potatoes is it like boiled potatoes or are you eating waffle fries from like atomic wings <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that's a great question no no no, no. that's that's a, that's a very important question you are eating a potato. Uh, you can bake it or you can boil it. Um, mm-hmm. And you can have sweet potatoes too. I did day one that was just russet potatoes. Um, and then day two, I had a, I threw in a sweet potato in there. Um, and that sweet potato... It's, and here's the thing. You're not going to taste anything different. It's kind of like having like Italian food in New York and then going over to Italy and have Italian food. Guess what? Spaghetti is still going to taste <laughs> like spaghetti. But man... It ain't like the spaghetti you remember. Same thing with the corn or that sweet potato. You're going to eat that, but you're actually going to form this this other relationship with it. Uh, and that was a great thing to understand. Uh, because after the other thing about eating one thing and one thing only, by the way, it doesn't have to be just potatoes. Uh, you just have to find one thing that's a whole food that you'll subsist on for two weeks. It could be cauliflower if you want it, if you really, really want it. I can't imagine why, but if you really, really wanted cauliflower... Um, and it was, it was, it, it was educational because then you start understanding what your relationship with food is. Because if you're just eating one thing, you're not excited for breakfast. You're like, oh, right. you wake up, you're like, oh, what am I gonna eat this morning? You're like, oh, I'm gonna eat potatoes. You know what? Maybe I'll just skip breakfast. There was one time, um, and like now I'm back to eating like regular meals. I only have like two meals a day, like tops, and sometimes I only eat once, depending upon how big my midday meal is. But there was one day where I didn't have any food for 20 hours.
1: Fuck. Uh, sorry. sorry, can I, can I curse? I oh, know. yeah. Oh, we
0: can absolutely uh, fucking, oh, I'm okay, fucking okay. curse. I'm going to all the fucking time on this thing. We're drinking, too. I don't know if anybody heard that. that. <laughs> um, but no, I absolutely, uh, I went 20 hours without food. And that was a little bit rough. I don't think I was necessarily, quote unquote, prepared for that at that point. But like my my, uh, my wife was on her way home. It was a Friday night. and We have this bar right around the corner that has the most amazing grilled cheeses on the planet. She's like, I want a grilled cheese. And I was like, uh i'm still not used to uh a caloric load of lunch plus a grilled cheese so i'm just going to skip lunch and that was that was a rough um, day but it's just it's it's an interesting thing because you start you start kind of questioning like okay why is it that i do engage in buffalo wings and here's the thing buffalo wings they're my they're my stress food they're they're <laughs> like i stress i eat those and um i'm okay and everything's just a little bit more okay I'm not going to the emotions.
1: Yeah, I'm in awe of you right now. You shouldn't you, you, you walked away from a grilled cheese? Oh, no, no. I had that grilled cheese. <laughs> oh, okay. but, I was going to
0: say, how does, oh, how does no. anyone walk away from a grilled no, cheese? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. on on the Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. You don't walk <laughs> away from those grilled cheeses. Um, they're amazing. But I just chose not to eat anything up until I had that grilled cheese from the night before. I mean, like if I
1: had national secrets and whatever terrorist group grabbed me and Uh they were like, look, we need information. Uh And if you give it to us, you'll get this grilled cheese. I'm going to tell you right now, the government's fucked. fucked. You're looking for for those (laughs) shuttle codes, huh? Hold on. You can have them, buddy. I will take
0: that grilled cheese in a minute. I'll tell you where that politician is going to be tomorrow night, right around 7 p.m. If you throw in a tomato soup on top of that, maybe an IPA. Who knows? Oh
1: man! Oh, <laughs> uh, someone, someone told me this. Like, uh, it's not even a food hack, but I like to say it's a food hack. But in reality, it's just gluttony. Someone yeah. said, "Have a grilled cheese sandwich with a French onion soup." It changed your life. Did it? I was like, "Man, that guy's a genius." <laughs> I, I, I never would have thought to to mess with that 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 holy that 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 concoction of tomato soup and grilled cheese. Like, why would I want to break that up? Yeah, but- exactly. But, but again,
0: it's that thing. It's that thing that we have. We're kids. We have it. We form that habit, that attachment and just like that neural pathway. Like I got a friend, his, uh, his kids like three and a half, four now. And like, they didn't start giving him chocolate until they had to have him start to behave. You know, he's walking around and like that. And he described him the first time that his kid had that chocolate. And he's like, you don't understand what his face did. His mind was blown in ways that you and I have never experienced together because we didn't know each other when we were three years old. He just, imagine having something like chocolate for the first time in your life.
1: Blows your head, you you lose your mind. Just for a second here. I feel like you've just Charlie Rose to me. How's that? And and what is that? This is like, you're like a ninja interviewer. You just pulled like a a Jedi mind trick almost. So we're talking about neural pathways and the way they're formed as children. And we're obviously talking about technology. Mm-hmm. And we're talking obviously like what the impact of technology has on us, right? And so when you look at these social platforms, right, what what effect will this end up having on us? Right. Mm-hmm. And so just the same way that I look at or you and both of us look at grilled cheese sandwiches and, and tomato soup, where it's like, I need to have this. It is delicious. And Buffalo Wings, I had it when I was a kid. I loved it so much. Will we be some like, know addled or 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 will gen z or the younger generation after that will they be addled and need the 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 morphine of social channels because as children they had so much of it you know will we have to be coming up with ways of keeping us away from these things just like the potato diet what would be the potato diet in the future for social a library (laughs) i i like your thinking this is what i'm saying you charlie rose this
0: You know, it's it's a real, I, I don't think it was necessarily a strategy. I just end up talking about food and apparently we're still uh, biological organisms on planet earth and talking about food uh, seems to relate to everything other, every other aspect in our lives. Need. You want to talk about your friends and family? Talk about food. You want to talk about, are you overworked at work? Talk about food. Um, <laughs> just end up talking <laughs> about food like a lot, but no, that's, you know, that's, that's a solid question. Like. And it's interesting, I think, because now we're going to come back to the COVID-19 like aspect of this. I have this weird theory. Um, I don't know if it's true. Uh, You know, just armchair uh, 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 sociologist here. But I'm kind of curious if this isn't going to be the thing that's, if if COVID-19 and the shutdown isn't going to be the thing that kickstarts that even in a small way while we're all on social media and obviously you and I are talking on a on a, on a piece of technology that no one heard about before COVID-19 <laughs> uh, god their shares must be incredible are even they public yet I don't know I'm kind of wondering are kids finally after nine months sick of their iPads and iPhones
1: I mean this is an incredible incredible question right I mean when you just again like I don't the, the fallout of this whole thing, right? Because like everyone keeps joking, right? You look on, 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 again, like when you talk to your friends, you hang out with your family, you know, on Zoom calls and stuff. We all joke around about when the day that we can actually go back outside, you know, Netflix shares, Apple shares, all those things are probably, you would, you would think would drop, right? Because no one's gonna wanna be inside. Everyone's gonna wanna be outside again. But the, the weird part is, will they? Like, I think they will, but how long will that last, right? You know i would kill to be in a library right now you know would i have said that a couple of years ago mm, i'd like going to libraries but i don't know if i'd kill to go to a library but right now if someone said you want to go to a library i'd be like dude that sounds like the hottest shit ever let's do it you know well i mean and that's again i don't know but i'm also like is losing your mind right now somebody <laughs> like, yeah. they're talking
0: about me <laughs> um but that's that's something i do wonder and i also like wonder because right now if we take a look over the course and we talk about Netflix and Apple Plus and uh, excuse me Disney Plus and everyone's got to have a plus on their neck. I think there's a CVS Plus. It's the only way I can. That's well, a stand. I guess I'll spend money on that. Uh, first time CVS has ever gotten money from me. Um, but you know I'm what all of our models of this kind of financial structure started way back in the day in the late 70s and early 80s with uh, home video distribution, right? How can we take that which is in the public and deliver it to people at home? But have like, isn't this the end of the road on that? Because now it's everything. Now it's everything and we're forced to deal with that. So I'm wondering, I, I do wonder how those changes will happen and if the sustained effect of this afterwards will cause people to innovate in the arena of public entertainment once again. Because I know for a fact every single musician on the face of the planet is aching, like physically aching to get out and perform right now. Like forgetting the financial part, they're just sick of playing themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, but, you know, it, it's funny that we're talking about this, right? Because obviously like, was it this week or was it last week that, you know, HBO Max because of AT&T is forcing all these movies like Wonder Woman to go, obviously they'll be in the theaters, but they not going to go because, you know, People don't want to die, yep. uh, which is reasonable. Uh, and they're going to be streaming it. And so th- it begs the question, right? N- you know, directors like Nolan are like, oh, you guys are fucking ruined Hollywood. You're going to destroy Hollywood. And 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 he's frustrated. Denny, Denny Villeneuve has like Dune coming out, which I'm super excited to see, but yes. I'm not excited to see it. I'm not excited to see it on my home TV. Like I'll watch it obviously and I'll enjoy it, mm-hmm. but I would kill to see the shit on IMAX or kill to see it in a movie theater with that crowd. You know, like, do you, I, I I don't know if you're, you know, super nerd, but did you watch like the Avengers movie when all the Avengers fight Thanos? Oh yeah, the end game? Yeah, so remember that? Like I saw it opening night. The Hell yeah. movie, the fucking theater lost its fucking mind. Everyone went fucking crazy. There mm-hmm. were people yelling and screaming and crying. And I was like, oh my God, I love this. I, this is an incredible feeling. You can't get that at home, no matter how many crying babies you have, right? Or, or you know, whatever, how emotional people get. You're mm-hmm. just not going to get that. So I wonder if when this is all over you're right like musicians are clamoring to play music to be that feed off that energy of the crowd and the crowd wants to give it you know audiences want to go to a movie theater and have that movie theater experience we hope right but Mm -hmm. that's the question will they have we have we kind of made them are are we kind of brainwashing them into thinking like yeah you know what you should be able to watch a movie in, in snippets and be able to pause it whenever you want you know will they be able to sit down and for two hours three hours and enjoy it i mean i think they will because i love live music and i love movies i'm i'm in but again this generation is very different it's a very different generation you know where they they can pause and they watch things in 15 or minute snippets um you know and, and if you grew up and you're a child and during this pandemic this is your normal now at least for a That's year, true. you know, even going to school, people are worried about kids going to school and being able to acclimate going back to school. We're worried about mm-hmm. going back to work. Are we going to be able to handle it? Like we're spoiled right now, right? Like I roll out of bed, you know, I brush my teeth and I'm in my PJs and I take my zoom call. Am I going to be okay going back to work the way it was? I like to think I would, but I don't know. How about you? How, how do you feel about
0: it? Well, here's the thing. Actually, I was actually working from home or my own studio for the past two years. Anyway, Ah. that's a nice setup man no one wanted to pay studio (laughs) fees um and i'm cool with it um but at the same time like now i can't leave and that that's that's where that you know horse uh that's a horse of a different color right there Mm -hmm. and again you know also like let's let's not let you know age also you know take us away from this because we start forming our social attributes from a very young age uh, and this thing's going to be have gone on for a year before most before uh, well, almost any of the public will be able to get a vaccine They're out at our outside of you know first responders and civil and civic servants and a year's a long time for a kid a year's a long time to set up a whole lot of habits and then yeah. the following year is a big one for breaking those habits so we'll see you know i'm okay. I, i'm interested I'm, I'm interested in the economics of of covid 19 that'll be That'll be, I don't want to say fun reading, uh, but it'll be the kind of reading that I punish myself with uh, trying to make myself smart.
1: Well, I mean, Uh, could you imagine being a teenager right now? And, you know, when you were a teenager, I I mean, I don't know how you were as a teenager, but I'm going to assume that most teenagers want out of the house. They want freedom. They want to jump in their car. They want to drive. They want to, you know, go hang out with their girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever. mm -hmm. Could you imagine having to endure this shit as a teenager? I would lose my fucking mind. Like... Like no matter how much I love my my mom and dad, love you guys. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'd I'd want I fucking want out, man. You're right. Like we don't know. I think the the studies will be so interesting, and and they it might be it might be sad to read, but again, like you know, I'm sure there's some some psychologist right now that's kind of like very happy. I mean, not happy because obviously this is terrible, but the lessons to be learned from this, right? Like, you know, like when astronauts go to space Mm -hmm. and they're basically up there for like a year Mm -hmm. and they come back, you know, the psych evaluations must, you know, you must yield such incredible insight about the human condition, right? What Mm -hmm. what man can endure, what it can't. And so I can only imagine that this is almost like a perfect case study of what happens when you take a society and you, you trap them, you lock them down of their own volition and mm-hmm. see what happens, right? Like, I, you're right. I, it's a very interesting topic. And and, and it, it, as as much as it is entertaining, it is also very scary, you know?
0: Yes, yes. Terrifying, actually.
1: Hamilton, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Can't wait to have you back. Um, thank you for having me. Honestly, this has been a real, real pleasure. I, I, I didn't know what to expect. You went... You were, you were awesome. Like super, it was like talking to a friend. Uh, I was at ease and that's always great. I appreciate it. And yeah, whenever you want me on, let me know. I I don't know what I can bring, but I will just be myself. And uh, thank you, man. This is amazing. Seriously. All we ever want. We'll catch you next time. All right. Thank you, sir. You have a good one. You too. Thank you. Thanks,
0: Hamilton. You can find Hamilton at youtube.com slash create, consume, repeat. For this episode and more, please head to drinkingwithcreatives.com and please support us there on our Patreon. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your preferred platform. My name is Jeremy Berger. I hope you're well. We'll see you next time.